0: have before us the opportunity to forge for ourselves and for future generations a new world order
1: a
2: new world
0: order child sex trafficking the deep state is trying to destroy donald trump's presidency loose the battle plans of heaven
1: it's all about control
2: Broadcasting live to the world now, it's the Weekend Vigilante, Sheila Zelinsky. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sheila Zelinsky Show for this Friday, May 26, 2017 edition. Thank you for tuning into the program. So how about that intro? I've got a lot of feedback from you. It's important that my listeners know that I am listening to you. I like your input, and I've got a lot of great feedback on that. People really like it. And so do I. I think it sounds really cool. So yeah, there's a lot of work that goes into 45 second intro. Hey, there is a lot of confusion. It seems i am getting a lot of emails on people are confused on how to get their name in on the true legends, grand prize giveaway. I'm going to be talking about that at the end of the show. So be sure to be tuned into that. Well, I want to jump right into the program. It is one of my favorite guests. He's always brilliant and witty. He's hilarious, and he's so informed. I don't think there's anybody else that I would say that is my go-to guy for all things climate. It is Mark Morano from ClimateDepot.com. Many listeners might not know that Mark actually began his career working for Rush Limbaugh, and later he served as a director of communications for a guy that I really like, the amazing Senator Jim Inhofe. He was also the communications director for the Senate Environment Committee under George W. And you know what? He was the guy that produced the the report on listing hundreds of dissenting scientists whose work questioned whether global warming was really caused by human activity. Yeah, we have an opinion on that, but the media won't tell you that. You have to know this, that Mark's debate with Bill Nye, or as I call him, the end is Nye guy, on Clown News Network, well, guess what? It's reached 2 million hits. And what's my new favorite thing to give out and recommend is the highly acclaimed movie, Climate Hustle. I could just go on and on with his impressive bio. You know, obviously, that he's one of my favorites. But without further ado, it is the original climate criminal, while Rolling Stone magazine calls him a climate killer. Get that. I nicknamed him the Chuck Norris of climate skeptics, the godfather of the green agenda. It is my good friend. Mark Morano, Mark, welcome back to the program. It's so good to have you back on. Thank you so much, Sheila. Happy to be back on. Thank you. Well, so much to get into. Where do you start? By the way, kudos for making Bill, the end is nigh, look like a bumbling buffoon that he is. How hard was it to sit through dumb and dumber there in that interview? It's just kind of this steady diet of politically edited, carefully crafted summary reports and media-hyped anti-fossil fuel climate confabs, epic failed projections. It's a three-ring circus, Mark. How hard was that?
3: Yeah, that was hard. I actually got to debate nigh you know, three times, two times in prime time. One on Fox News with John Stossel and one on CNN with, with Piers Morgan. And then another time for interviewing him for my movie, which turned into a sort of debate. But he it's amazing how shallow he is. He has been so bad for the climate (laughs) movement that his fellow climate activists and other scientists are now attacking him, saying we should not have a children's entertainer being the voice and face of science. He is facing a whole—scientists have been doing thousands of tweets in the last week aimed at Bill Nye, angry at all his missteps mistakes. He's now redefined uh, human anatomy, by the way, his old TV show from <laughs> the 1990s. They edited out the part about chromosomes determining your, your gender, and now the new one basically says it's more complicated than that as he has on transgenders and he's out there dancing with you know, cross-dressers, I mean, he is just, he's hes upset even the scientific left. If, if that can be an actual thing, <laughs> if you can actually do that, he's done it.
2: That guy is such a clown. Well, the G7 leaders, they're, of course, split on climate change. Oh, big surprise. That Trump is clashing with the rest of the G7 on the climate. I really like this exclusive over there at Breitbart News. Rand Paul says the climate deal would kill six million jobs. Rand, you're killing Obama's legacy here. First of all, on Obama, what he did. They, first of all, they've tried for you know back to uh,
3: about 13, 14 years to try to get climate bills rammed through Congress, and they failed. The reason they failed. It's because every time weak Republicans like John McCain and uh, Lindsey Graham and others have started and sponsored these bills, they ended up shutting down Capitol Hill switchboards. The angry constituents. When they passed the climate bill in 2009 in the U.S. House, the, you know even Democrats went home to their districts and were met with angry constituents like, "What are you doing?" And you know people just didn't buy the whole premise. So they could never get it through Congress. So Obama, wisely, I might add, I mean, yeah, people say, oh, he was incompetent. He was actually very competent at what he was doing, which was imposing his agenda on that regard. I don't think he was incompetent. He basically bypassed democracy, both domestically and internationally on climate change. Domestically, he issued executive orders declaring that carbon dioxide was a pollutant and therefore the EPA must regulate it uh, as such. So it was the first time in human history that the US EPA regulated something that humans exhale from their mouth as pollution, carbon dioxide, which is a harmless trace, essential gas in the atmosphere, contributing to the greening of planet Earth, photosynthesis, etc. So that's the one thing. On domestic policy, he declared through executive order. Then he wasn't finished. On international policy, he decided that he was going to do an executive agreement with the United Nations. He knew he could never get it ratified. Even Harry Reid wouldn't put the, the climate bill up <laughs> for a vote that passed the House back in 2009 because they knew it would fail. You even had people like Al Frank. Lincoln of Minnesota basically saying they would not vote for that climate bill because of what it would do to the Minnesota energy economy. I mean, these were dead in the water. So Obama decided to do it all through executive order, bypassing democracy. I called it the Chinification of America at the time, because all of the left has been gaga over how China gets things done without what we call the messiness of democracy. No votes, no democracy. It's all just done you know, behind closed doors and it's imposed on people. And that's what they like, everyone from Paul Krugman to the un chief that's what they did so they passed this u.n agreement And they've committed the United States uh, to basically being uh, under the purview of the United Nations. As we go forward, the United Nations will ultimately, UN bureaucrats will be deciding America's energy future, our choices, down to the size of our cars, to our light bulbs, to our appliances. This is what gets the camel's nose in the tent. And this is, as we go forward, what they want. This is why the UN chief has said, this is the complete transformation of our lives unrecognizable. I mean, they want to basically go after industrialized capitalism over in the last 150 years and transform it into a U.N. central planning model. Obama gave him the vehicle and now Trump faces the chance to rescind it and overturn it.
2: Yeah, he's got his hands full with this swamp. They want their climate change agreement. You touched on something really important. I wonder if people understand that a carbon tax is a fine for breathing. And like Mark said... CO2 is the God-given necessary byproduct for human life on this planet. If you don't have a certain parts per million, guess what? You're all dead. No plant life, no human life. End of story. But another stunning article, Mark, did you see this glorious Steinem comment on abortion is the answer to combat climate change? You know, every day we've got another insane headline You and I were kind of chuckling on email that this new article, it's up on USA Today, it says climate change causes lost sleep. And as you pointed out, it's an actual peer-reviewed study. But statements from these so-called feminists that are saying abortion is the answer to climate change, these outlandish, wild claims and crazy statements, do you find it shocking uh, actually, no,
3: it's not shocking. This is part and parcel of their entire agenda. In my film, Climate Hustle, which is available at climatehustle.com, we had a nationwide, uh, inter- we were over 400 theaters nationwide. It's now available on-, on demand and DVD, climatehustle.com. We actually feature Al Gore in the movie at a Bill Gates event talking about how we need, quote, ubiquitous fertility management, i.e. population control, and then he goes on to mention how Africa, of all the countries in the in the world, are projected to have the biggest increases in population, and he's lamenting this, because it's bad for global warming. So we have a wealthy, white, western politician lamenting that there are gonna be too many people of color in the world, and therefore we need massive fertility management to come in and limit their population size. So this has been a big part of the movement. We have another guy named Travis Reed, who NPR and other outlets like that love to feature. Yeah. He basically says that parents should be forced to apply. Uh, to the government to have more than one child. This is, again, I mentioned China earlier to you, Sheila. They love China. This is the Chinese one policy. The Sierra Club has come up with similar uh, fundamental things, asking that, that you know parents should, should not just be able to reproduce without government consent because of global warming. And this is where we are now with this movement, population control. This is what's so shocking about this, is the Pope Francis, who just yes. met with Donald Trump, has had many of these advisors who are pro-abortion Atheist advising Pope Francis on global warming—it just does. I call it an unholy alliance. It doesn't make sense, but that's why Gloria Steinem is right. She's right in the mainstream of this thinking.
2: Wow, unholy alliance is right. All this is not surprising because the main scientific advisor to the Pope, Shellnuber, was appointed to the Pontifical Academy of Science. Is a noted pantheist, a person who believes that nature is of divinity and the earth is a divinity that must be worshipped at all costs. Of course, you know. This guy in 2009, he told a crowd in New York, hey, the carrying capacity of the planet should be below 1 billion people. So why is the Pope aligning himself with a pagan pantheist and a depopulationist? That's really strange. You got Bill Gates, Ted Turner, Bill and Ted's excellent depopulation adventure. got on one, and this is on record, do a Google search, type in cannibalism, global warming, Ted Turner says, hey, we got too many people using too much stuff because of global warming. Hey, we're all going to become cannibals in less than 10 years. You got Bill Gates on record talking about vaccinations and sterilization. And back to the Pope, I don't think it's right that the Pope and the Vatican is confusing Catholics into thinking that their position on global warming is now part of the moral imperative. This is crazy what the Pope's doing.
3: With the the Jesuit, with a sort of Latin American poverty perspective, What's the Tom Cruise, Renee Zellwinger, where he's the agent? What's that movie where the famous line is, you had me at hello? Uh, what's it? Oh, I'm Jerry Maguire. Jerry Maguire. Yeah. Show me the money. No, Nobody's it out. But so I think what happens is the Pope, because of his whole perspective, when he when he looks at the United Nations, they have him at the solutions. He doesn't even care about the <laughs> science. You know, he basically said when he looks at the idea that they want to centrally plan redistribute wealth, he basically says, you had me at your solutions, just like you, Renee Zellwinger said, you had me at hello. And the Pope, you know, he's allowed this unholy alliance and allowed these people who have literally been, you know, abortion and everything from contraception to overpopulation, all of these things that would be against Catholic teaching. He's aligning himself because he likes the idea of the central planning of the United Nations basically wiping away the, the 150 years of industrial capitalism that we've all that, that we've all enjoyed, massive improvements in wealth, longevity, lower infant mortality. It's his political philosophy that forces him, you know, economic political philosophy and social political, that aligns him with people that he has no business aligning himself with. I mean, there's people like Jeffrey Sachs, and yeah. you mentioned Huber that he's the German climate advisor. Is a big part of the now the Pope, Papal advisor. <laughs> He's come out and called for a CO2 budget for every man, woman and child on the planet from Beijing to Berlin. Interesting choice of cities, wouldn't you say? (laughs) Historical Berlin and Beijing. And the idea would be that anyone in the West, Western Europe, United States has already exceeded our CO2 budget. So guess what? We owe a lot of money to a lot of people, but it's not going to the people that they think it's going to. It's going to be redistributed to UN bureaucrats and all the middlemen. I interviewed a South African development activist, Sheila, a few years ago at the Durban UN Climate Conference. He was so outraged. He was a development rights activist, and he said that the money the United Nations gets, it's $100 trillion a year slush fund that goes basically to third world governments, the UN is going to decide, take money from the wealthy world and give it to poor countries. And it's basically going to go to the countries that are best able to keep their people locked in poverty by keeping down development. In other words, if you can keep your people with high infant mortality, short life expectancy, living in huts made of dung, you're going to get the most UN money because you are the, most, the best steward of the planet in their minds. If you're building energy plants and you're building infrastructure and modern sewage plants and your residents are, are driving cars and they're getting electricity, you're not gonna get that money. So it's gonna go to corrupt third world countries and that's how they're going to do it. By keeping people locked in poverty, they're gonna get this money redistributed. It's a perversion of anything that you could actually imagine in terms of morality, economics, and human uh, rights. That's why the former Greenpeace co-founder, Pat, Dr. Patrick, Patrick Morris Morian. says he now sees the environmental movement as one of the most anti-human agenda that we have today.
2: Boy, you nailed it when you said anti-human. Indeed. And look at Fat Albert's plan. I mean, if that isn't a sci-fi, it's bad enough that he is doing his inconvenient sequel. But now Al Gorey, as I call him, wants to rid modernity with a fifth, trillion that's trillion with a t carbon tax to re-engineer humanity to save us from that dreaded terrifying global warming i mean this is a thing that's kind of stunning these buzzwords mark like hottest year on record polar bears hurricanes flood famine disease it's like a nature hike through the book of revelation to quote al actually so you got bill nye on one end you got al Gore in the inconvenience sequel then you got all these guys in the media oh hottest year on record Where does it stop with politically carefully crafted one-liners that make people think the end is actually nigh here?
3: Yeah, what they do, and you mentioned the hottest year. Okay, a couple of things. First of all, they'll say the 97% consensus. Anytime you get in a debate with anyone, anytime on TV, yeah. the, ho- the 97%. It's literally, and I interviewed a top UN cli- uh, climate scientist, Dr. Richard Toll, a L- UN lead author. He looked into this. A UN author, and he actually said it was, quote, pulled from thin air, yeah. that there's nothing in it. The numbers just crumble when you look at it. It's a complete fabrication. And 25 years ago, Al Gore was claiming all scientists agree. They needed a couple of dopey studies, and they got them. And they basically, they they started with 10,000 scientists. They whittled them down to 77 anonymous scientists. Of those 77, 75 agreed with their questions about the consensus on global warming. So the entire 97% consensus isn't even based on 97 scientists. It's 75 anonymous scientists. We don't know their name, their affiliation. And even the questions they were asked, many skeptical scientists would agree. Is the earth warming, have humans contributed to it? I mean, these aren't controversial things. And so this is one of the things that, They'll they'll throw at you. The other one, as you just mentioned, Sheila, is hottest year. I don't know how many times I've been on TV and radio debates and with meeting climate activists. Yeah, it's the hottest year on record. It's a completely political statement. And what they've done is they've tried to they try to claim records that are within a margin of error. In other words, if you were measuring a full grown adult and you said, well, he was within you know two one hundredths of a centimeter taller you know last week than he was this, it's the hottest you know it's the tallest he's ever been. That's not even within a measurement. It's within a Measurement error. They adjust temperatures to within tenths of a degree. They claim records to within hundreds of a degree. It's not even measurable what they claim. So it's utter nonsense. NASA even admits this. They come out with a claim and then, in the, and then and they're quietly forced to mention in the background that it's not really a record, that it's within the margin of error. The Associated Press, we actually forced them into a quasi-retraction, they called it a clarification, where they actually had to acknowledge that these hottest year claims were nonsense. It's a fancy way of saying the global warming standstill in temperature of the last 20 or so years still continues because it, we basically rose to a certain temperature and then we flatlined and you can't claim hottest year when it's within the margin of error. It's just nonsense. This is what they do. They do it daily and they repeat it over and over. There's not much you can do about it, you know, in terms of stopping them from doing it, but all you can do is try to counter with the truth.
2: Yeah, that's right. But, you know, this is what I don't get, Mark, is their epically failed predictions I mean, I could write a whole entire book on failed predictions. Wasn't New York supposed to be completely underwater by 2009? Every day there's another doom prediction. It's a climate catastrophe. And here's what's going to happen. But all their predictions have been wrong.
3: Yeah, actually, uh, you know, these ridiculous eco doom predictions really got a foothold in the 1960s. Overpopulation guru, a guy named Paul Ehrlich, predicted all sorts of things, resource scarcity, famines mass deaths starvation all by 1980 so they were 10 12 years out he made them in the late 60s and then when they all failed to materialize even today, the clim- some of the climate scientists, like Michael Mann, who was involved in the climate, he'll defend the Paul Ehrlich saying, well, his predictions were basically correct, he just had the timing off, and some things happened to prevent it. Well, then, they weren't correct. It's like telling someone, you're going to the beach this weekend, you're going to die in a car accident, and they call you from the beach, they come back from the trip, and they say, hey, I didn't die, your prediction was wrong. Oh, well, <laughs> I was right, you're eventually going to die, so therefore my prediction <laughs> is true, and plus, you would wore a seatbelt and drove much safer, and, you know, so therefore for you avoided the accident. It's like this is what they do. They come up with all these predictions when they fail, they just try to spin it. In fact, they actually now claim that you cannot falsify their predictions. We have to wait and see. So if they predict climate doom in 50 years or say the polar bears are going to be disappeared, we can't argue with that because it's a prediction. So we have to wait and see 50 years if it happens. This is how they want to argue. But they want the policies today. They want to transform our economies today. They want to ban the American SUV today. They want to get rid of our light bulbs today. They want to de-power all of our appliances, washing machines, dishwashers today to save us from global warming. But we can't really evaluate their predictions of doom until they happen. So we got to give them 50 to 100 years years.
2: <laughs> it's kind of like the stupefying number crunching mathematical wizardry of Michael Mann who meticulously manipulated the data no problem I'll just simply program this computer model in a totally unacceptable scientific technique the infamous hockey stick model and of course when Ross McKittrick tried to replicate the climatological reconstruction aka Mann's hockey stick. They stonewalled him at every turn, but here's the, the stunning part of it. They were able to recreate enough of it to discover that man's graph, it relied on an algorithm so skewed that it would produce a hockey stick more than 99% of the time, regardless of the data you fed into it. It's like the chair of the IPCC, Rajendra Pachura, saying, this is my religion, my dharma, and the UN IPCC admits itself it's not a scientific body. There is no science. Yes. I
3: mean, it, this entire agenda has nothing to do with science. In fact, I'm going back and writing a book on global warming. I'm finding all this stuff from the 1960s, 1970s, regardless of the eco scare at the time, be it overpopulation, be it the ozone hole scare, uh, be it deforestation. Remember the whole Amazon rainforest yeah. scare? You had Sting's rainforest content. Before global warming, that was the big issue. The solutions were always the same. Regardless of the scare, it was always more central planning capitalism was the enemy and we must completely change our way we must have penance for our sins our modern way of life and we must change and so when global warming came along they just picked up the same thing that's why we have the un ipcc one of their climate panel chiefs saying an exact quote we need to redistribute wealth by climate policy this isn't even environmental policy anymore they're openly admitting this has nothing to do with climate or science or environmentalism. This is what they've always wanted, and they're using global warming as the latest environmental crisis to achieve their ends.
2: Yeah, well, their ends are like what Paul Ehrlich wrote about in his book Population Bomb. And I read the book cover to cover, and one of his proposals was putting sterilants in the drinking water. What kind of atrocious neo Malthusian snake oil is that, Mark?
3: Yeah, in fact, it, it, contemporaries of his time, and if you go back and look at old articles which I've done, they caught up, they were comparing him to Adolf, Hitler for those kind of things. Paul Ehrlich and John Holdren, who was recently Obama's climate science czar, they were proposing forced vasectomies, all other types of things. And then when you call them on this, they say, we weren't actually proposing this. We were just mentioning this as a range of possible solutions, but we didn't actually advocate it. In the film Climate Hustle, by the way, Sheila, we actually feature extensive clips from a guy named Matthew Lau, NYU professor, who wants to literally genetically engineer human beings in order to fight Global warming. And it goes beyond just genetics. He wants to make people smaller so they're less resource intensive. At the same time, he wants to give them drugs, psychedelic drugs, in other words, you know, everything in the sort of antidepressant class of drugs and, and wow. beyond that would make us care about the environment. It would give us empathy. And so if, you don't, if you're if you a global warming denier, we're gonna give you a few pills and force you to care or make you so complacent and compliant that you will no longer be a problem to the state. This is what they're doing. And he says the same thing. He says, I'm not actually advocating this. I'm just giving a range of possibilities. Well, this is as close to Joseph in our modern times, as we can possibly get.
2: I totally agree. And don't forget, Ehrlich revisited Old Ground with a new release when he did Population Explosion, kind of a part two of his first one. And in it, he blames virtually every human catastrophe, both real and imagined on overpopulation and religion. Oh, and guess who wrote Ehrlich's dust jacket endorsement? Hmm, a Tennessee senator named Al Gore. Al Gore, who, by the way, generates an average $150,000 per global warming speaking engagement, and he's still pulling in exorbitant lucre from his inconvenient truths. Uh, Side note, despite his outlandish claims that sea levels are rising, Hmm, he bought a deluxe oceanfront property in the San Francisco Bay Area. But all this flagrant hypocrisy, the hyperbole and hysteria, forget about all that. What about the bullying part of this? And that was so evident in your Bill Nye, the end is Nye guy that I call him. It's so obvious in that debate that you had. And at the end of the show, I'm going to play the whole thing. But I mean, talk about pure bullying. And that's the thing you can really tell. They've got their buzzwords. They've got their rhetoric. They've got their little phony talking point narratives. And it's so obvious.
3: Yes, and one of my favorite quotes, by the way, was Lord Monk the former science advisor, to Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher in the UK. He goes to a lot of these UN conferences with me. and He actually had a great line. He said, when confronted with the non-problem of global warming, we must have the courage to do nothing. And I love repeating that. That oh, freaks out the climate activists and the media more than anything you could imagine. We must have the courage to do nothing about this. Because even if you accept their premise, even if you accept the United Nations and Al Gore and all their scientific claims, nothing they propose would have any impact on the climate. Again, even if you accept it, and I actually interviewed Rob, Dr. Robert Giegengag, University of Pennsylvania, Ivy League geologist, been on almost every single continent studying climate for 40 plus years. He's got peer-reviewed studies. He was the the head of the department at the University of Pennsylvania, one of the most prestigious universities in the world and one of the most uh, decorated scientists. He actually said that even if you believe it all, by an order of magnitude, nothing they propose would have any impact on the climate. It's all pure Symbolism. So that's why we must have the courage to do nothing. Because even if they're right, and John Kerry will come out and say, Well, we need an insurance policy. That's why we need, you know, we need this UN treaty. We need the EPA regulations. We need an insurance policy like you have fire insurance on your home. Well, Sheila, who would buy fire insurance on your home that the premium cost more than your home was worth and had absolutely no payout if your house burned down? Only a fool would buy it. And th- that would be insurance fraud. That's what they're peddling at the EPA. That's what they're peddling at the United Nations. Climate fraud, the idea that governments, the United Nations or EPA or U.S. Congress can alter the Earth's temperature or storminess is pure and simple climate fraud. Even their own science doesn't support it.
2: (laughs) My favorite part was when you said you can't solve a (laughs) non-problem. I just love that part. But here's the other thing, all these guys who want to save the planet, they couldn't save the planet if they wanted to. How is man going to save the planet? It's under God's benevolent design. You couldn't save it if you wanted to. But the shocking thing is every headline, almost every daily headline, we're just getting a steady diet of this. Hottest year on record. 2012, hottest year. 2013, hottest year. 2014, hottest year. Oh, guess what, Mark? It's 2017 and it's shaping up to be the hottest year on record. Like these debates, they're not even debates because they throw around these terms. Hottest year on record. Uh, FYI, we're in a cooling trend the last 18 years. Like, unbelievable.
3: Well, here's the thing. People, I go on a show, I'll go in a debate. Is the earth warming? And, I, and my answer is very simple. Okay. Depends on your time frame. Has the earth warmed since the Roman warming period, the time yeah. of Jesus Christ? No, we've actually cooled since then. That was considered warmer according to the most recent peer-reviewed studies. Have we warmed since the medieval warm period, 900 to 1300 AD? No, we've actually cooled since then according to studies. We were as warm or warmer in the medieval warm period. Have we warmed since the little ice age of about 1800? Yes, we have warmed since the little ice age. Then you can continue on. Have we warmed since the 1990s. No, temperatures have been basically in a standstill. And then they'll say, well, you know, this study came out and showed that temperatures of the last 40 years, if the trend were to continue, blah, blah, blah. Like, hmm, when did this temperature that study start? Many of these temperature trends will start in 1970. Now, why do they pick 1970 as a baseline? The key reason they do is that was the height of the global cooling conspiracy theory, a global cooling movement, if you will, the media going crazy, predicting a next ice age and and many scientists, including NASA scientists and CIA reports, promoting a coming ice age. And so what what they've done, if you pick a cool period and then you get the temperatures where they've warmed since a cool period, whether it's the end of the little ice age in the 19th century or even 1970, you're going to show some amount of warming. This is how they get trends across everything. You want to say California trend drought is going up, you get a five-year study and you old trends are going up but if you actually look at it over multi uh, centuries california's drought which by the way just recently ended because of massive rainfalls and floods actually was nothing compared to previous centuries and global droughts are actually on a decline floods are showing no trend it's amazing extreme weather Hurricanes are at record lows. We're at the longest period without a Category 3 or larger hurricane hitting. It hasn't happened since 2005. That 13 years is the longest stretch since the records began in the U.S. Civil War back in the 1860s. We have never even seen this low of massive, a big hurricane activity. Tornadoes, we've been at record lows or near record lows for the last five years, and big tornadoes are on a decline in the last 50, 60 years. It is amazing. On every, You mentioned Al Gore is saying every night in the news is like a nature walk to the book of Revelation. it's not (laughs) true and maybe it is that way in the news and they're portraying it but in terms of extreme weather it's not there we're actually in a golden era of extreme weather it's actually on all declining trends or no trend completely opposite of their narrative of global warming's making you know the weather worse
2: Boy, Mark, you're getting treasonous there in that comment. (laughs) Robert F. Kennedy Jr., he wants to punish global warming skeptics. He believes it's treason. You know, us contemptible treasonous climate deniers, three hots and a cot at the Hague with the other war criminals, really is where we should be, Mark. I mean, that is unbelievable. Well, what they've done, I mean, this is, you know,
3: we now, and I just interviewed Senator Whitehouse at the People's Climate March in Washington. Senator Whitehouse is proposing RICO statutes, and I'm talking about the, the statutes set up to go after organized crime, the mafia, the mob, to go after global warming skeptics, and he wants to prosecute them, and this is where Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s rhetoric of throwing skeptics in jail becomes reality in Washington. All Senator Whitehouse needs is a full Democratic Congress and a, and a Democratic president, and they're going to start pursuing this. And they're, they've got it all intellectualized in their minds. They're going to sue. They're calling it poisoned weather. So every time there's a tornado, a flood, a hurricane hits, they're going to then send in what I call the shakedown artists. We've already got Al Gore's aligned himself with all these Democrat attorney generals. They're going to go into states and any energy companies that are operating there. They're going to say, "You made this weather worse with your emissions. Your carbon dioxide emissions have made it worse," and we are now going to sue you for poisoning the weather, for making it worse. And then they're going to try to get shakedown and get money out of these these energy companies in order to pay for the cleanup from the natural disaster, despite the fact that natural disasters are actually on declining trend or at worst, no trends. So this is where it all comes. It starts with the extreme rhetoric, and then you get politicians who start proposing real policies that can put real people in jail.
2: Well come on Mark you are a climate criminal or as the french say the criminel du climat as they like to say at the United Nations climate change conference COP21 in 2015 you got to tell the new listeners that story Mark I
3: went to I was in Paris and this was in to, late 2015 in December for the big UN climate summit. I was fully credentialed all that. And because I was in town, we were doing the, we were doing a premiere of my film, climate hustle again, available at climatehustle.com. I urge your listeners to go. They can really watch the clips and they can get the film for, I think it's 15 bucks. You can get it on demand or even cheaper, maybe 12 bucks. And we had our premiere that night. I woke up that morning of our movie premiere and plastered. I was at, I was, um, Near the Arc de Triomphe and uh, right in downtown Paris, my face was plastered all over walls, signposts, and I was a wanted poster of myself for being a, quote, climate criminal. And this was a, you know, it was, a, it was a rhetorical device, but it was meant to intimidate by the environmentalists. Well, in, a, in an odd way, it helped me because the New York Times then covered the movie premiere that night. You know, they covered my movie premiere, which was happening that night in, in an old theater in Paris. And we ended up with lots of protesters, the police. Police had to shut it down. Uh, they tried everything they could to the police had to shut down the protesters and almost shut down our, our our premier. But they tried everything they could to silence us. We ended up having a packed house that night and it went very well for us. But this is some of the tactics that they do. Anything they can think of, they do not want actual debate. And they've never allowed actual debate.
2: Well, you know, tactics is right. We joke about this stuff a lot, Mark, but you have an excellent website, the best on this topic. And when you do these articles, is there any just days you feel like you're in the twilight zone?
3: Well, I mean, most days when I'm doing articles about global warming causing uh, an increase in rape and car thefts uh, and airline turbulence uh, and forcing women into prostitution, you just start scratching your head like they actually believe that and these studies I just mentioned, these are UN scientists uh, who the UN calls the most esteemed scientists in the world. They actually put their name to these kind of studies. Uh, you know, uh, one of the funniest things I interviewed Dr. Will Happer, who may be considered to replace John Holdren as the U.S. uh, science czar under the Trump administration, which would be an amazing thing. He's a Princeton (laughs) physicist. He reminded me that the witch trials, keep in mind, remember the old Salem witch trials and the witch trials in the Middle Ages, they were all, basically women were accused of sorcery and witchcraft for causing bad weather and crop failure. Today they're blaming our SUVs for causing bad weather and crop failures, even though crops are now like booming wheat and everything else if food production's been booming but he reminded me that it was the actually the the judges that sentenced these women to death were all harvard educated and that was it was always the best and brightest of the society who made these decisions so these were the and this is what we're facing now and they always say well could all these scientists You know, these are from the most prestigious universe. Could they be all wrong? And it's like, it's not about them all being wrong. It's a very small number of scientists, the United Nations handpicks the scientists that come work for them. And I have a whole report on scientists who resigned from the UN when they realized it was all just basically a big political campaign. If you weren't with the campaign, they've turned science into a political campaign. That's what the whole UN, by getting involved in 1988, setting up this climate panel, that's what they've done. And so what, they, what they've done is on a repeating basis, if you defy the narrative, you're out. ClimateGate showed us that the scientists with the upper, the top echelon of the UN scientists were telling journal editors, you can't publish that paper saying the sun influences the climate or the sun's the dominant factor, threatening the other scientists saying, you can't say this, you can't do that. And this is what we found. It was a campaign cause. And if you dissented, you were out of the campaign and your your career was threatened. And that's the whole movement. This is a political movement. If any of your listeners actually believe that we face a climate catastrophe, all I can say is, Watch the film Climate Hustle and reevaluate your opinion because not only do we feature prestigious scientists from around the world, from NASA and Ivy League universities and Harvard and everywhere else but we actually feature politically left scientists who got disgusted with this and who once believed in global warming and reversed themselves we have french socialist scientists we have scientists who voted for al gore and then saw his movie and were appalled at it so i think you'll i think that is one of the key things that we tried to do in the film and one of the key things happening now is even the left is trying to squeeze out of this we're seeing a little of that with this whole pushback against bill nye uh many of these left-wing scientists just can't accept his cartoon version of Climate Scientist. And he's of course, is just parroting the United Nations and Al Gore.
2: Well, Mark, in the waiting moments, give out your website where people can get Climate Hustle. And listen, you have to get it, folks. It is so well done. It is just rip-roaringly funny. It's good. Mark does such an incredible job in this. You have to get this movie. And it's such a good deal. And support Mark's work, too, because, I mean, the, st- the bullying and the tactics that we're all getting. I mean, I'm even being sued for my own book. I mean, that's the kind of thing. They'll throw lawsuits, bullying, jail, every form of intimidation that you can think possible. So support Mark's work by getting a copy or two and give one out to your church friends, your pastor. Get Climate Hustle. Mark, where can they find it? And also give out your main website as well.
3: Okay, first of all, climatehustle.com, H-U-S-T-L-E.com is the website for the film. And my regular website is climatedepot.com. I should have a special report on the Trump and Pope meeting here very shortly. I've done a whole bunch on on Pope Francis on that, but you can go in every day. It's updated with daily information. And you also, at the top of the site, I have my newest report, which I think your listeners might like. It's a simple, I think it's seven or eight pages, talking points report on global warming. So if you're just all confused and your head's spinning, I did a report that has the basic questions that the climate activists like to put. If you get an argument with your uncle, if you get an argument with your coworker, this gives you about a pair paragraph or two paragraph answer to every possible claim. And it's done in a very user friendly way. So I'd urge your listeners to go to climatedepot.com. At the top of the website, the left side, you'll see it, the talking points report. It's my latest report.
2: Well, well done. And I really want to thank you for all the work you do. Just outstanding work and great job in the climate hustle. We're looking forward to climate hustle (laughs) 2.0. But anyway, Mark, I just want to thank you for all the hard work you do. And do come back and see us again real soon.
3: Thank you very much, Sheila. I appreciate it.
2: Thanks, Mark. Folks, that was Mark Morano, climatedepot.com, and go over to ClimateHustle.com and get yourself some copies of that amazing movie. It's like one of my favorites. It's so good. And you, you know how passionate I am about the green gospel. And if you don't have a copy of Green Gospel, get it while it's still available. Tim's being sued by Andrew Weaver. I'm being sued by the David Suzuki Foundation. So we'll see what happens with that. But go to greengospel.ca and also make sure you do have a copy of that book. And you can see for yourself the very diabolical part of all this seemingly benevolent guise of green. You guys know the Agenda 21, Agenda 30, the absolute ubiquitous control. It is all about control and it is just frightening some of the tactics and the smart cities, the smart grid, the smart appliances, smart TVs, the data mining, the spying is one thing, but boy, you better love your servitude. Smart cities coming soon to an area near you. This is frightening. And so it's our duty as Christians folks to get in the game and start talking about this issue. When you see these headlines, phone into your newspapers, phone into your TV stations that are talking about, oh, hot is here on record. Global warming mantra is just all we hear and we're just getting a steady diet of it and is really very nauseating. So now I'm going to let you listen to this video that's got almost... Wow, very close to two million listens. Let's take a listen to Dumb and Dumber as they try to bully Mark Morano into submission. Let's take a listen.
1: Good evening. Our big story tonight. You are so hot, America. And I mean that literally. The temperature was a balmy 60 degrees this afternoon in New York, just outside CNN Studios. The average high temperature in December is normally 43. Warm weather's flooded the lower 48 states with 482 daily high temperature records across the country on Monday alone. Quite extraordinary, but is it evidence of man-made global warming? That's tonight's Battleground America. Joining me now are Bill Nye, the science guy, and Mark Morano, he's the publisher of ClimateDepot.com. Welcome to you both. Let me start with you, you. And Mark Morano, if sure. I may. Uh, you are implacably opposed to the concept of man-made climate change, why?
3: We followed the evidence. Uh, there are quite literally hundreds of factors that influence global temperature. Everything from tilts of the Earth's axis to ocean cycles to water vapor, methane, solar system, the sun, cloud feedback, volcanic dust. The idea that CO2 is the tail that wags the dog is not supportable. And if you go down and look at the scientific literature, we're finding reams of data and new peer-reviewed studies showing the medieval and Roman warming periods as warm or warmer than today without our CO2 emissions. So what's happened here is the whole movement because. Now we've gone 16 years without global warming, according to the UN data, and they've now morphed into extreme weather. And we have the absurd spectacle of people claiming that acts of Congress and the United Nations can control the weather and make hurricanes less nasty and make tornadoes less frequent, which, by the way, none of them are showing any trends at all that are unusual.
1: Okay, Bill Nye response? Well, we
0: start talking about the facts. The those, uh, medieval the warming facts. period and the Roman you know, Roman warming period; those are just in Europe, and they're they're not representative. Both. Agree, let's see if we can let's see if we can agree on a couple things. Do you agree that when I was a kid or when you were a kid, there was 340 parts per million of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere? Sure, carbon dioxide's rising. You What's your point? <clears throat> so here's the point: is it's rising extraordinarily fast. That's the difference between the bad old days and now. That's. It's the rate that's of great concern, more than the actual
1: uh, And what do you itself. put that rate down to, Bill?
0: Oh, it's human activity. I mean, you go back, this is what I say all the time, so you look in the uh, ice and you find bu- tra- bubbles of trapped gas from uh, 200 years ago, let alone 1,000 years ago. There's nobody running around with a hypodermic needle injecting bubbles of gas in ancient uh, ice cores. I mean, you, that's the ancient atmosphere in there, and so you can determine the qu- composition of the at- ancient atmosphere exactly. This uh, medieval warming period is brought up quite often, but it was really a European phenomenon, and it's, it's not, it wasn't global.
1: And what are the biggest factors, the man-made factors, creating the acceleration oh. uh, of CO2 in well, the atmosphere?
0: The biggest thing is, uh, when I was nine years old, the Earth's population changed from 2.999 billion to 3 billion, now it's, in my lifetime, it's now 7 billion people trying to live the way we lived in the developed, the way we live in the developed world. And it's just, we're just burning, carb- burning carbon and spewing carbon dioxide in the atmosphere at an extraordinary rate.
1: Right, so Mark Morano, if there is a massively increased acceleration in CO2 in the atmosphere, at the same time that there's been a, a bigger than double the sizing of the population of the planet, why would that not be inextricably linked? Explain to me.
3: Well, CO2 is rising. No one's disputing that. What Bill and I just did was waste everyone's time explaining that CO2 is rising. The question is, what impact does CO2 have on the weather? What impact does CO2 have on climate change? And that is where you look at the geologic record. We've had warmer periods where it's been lower CO2, and we've had colder periods with higher CO2. And you have to go way back for some of that. But the bottom line is, hundreds of factors are, di- are dictating our climate. The medieval warm period was both southern and northern hemisphere. On my website, it demolishes the idea of a hockey stick, new peer reviewed. So the idea that Bill Nye is just going around saying CO2 is up, therefore, global warming is dangerous, we should be concerned, it's not. It's not dangerous. The bottom line is all these well, other let me, factors dwarf okay, the impact of CO2. Let,
1: let me jump in. How do you explain that the eastern seaboard, for example, is getting some of the warmest weather it's ever had, at the same well, time that California has been plunged into storm after storm in the last week, well, and you see we... that New York last month had the worst hurricane it's ever endured, and so on and so on. Sure. So how How do you explain that we're getting so many of these freakish weather patterns if at the same time you've got all this extra CO2 in the atmosphere and all these people now guzzling up power and energy and
3: emitting gases that weren't there before? Surely that is evidence, isn't it? No, you go to the peer-reviewed literature. You're looking at anecdotal evidence. This is now the level of your daily horoscope. Oh, Basically, global warmists like Bill Nye say global warming will cause many bad weather events. And guess what? Bad weather events happen all the time. So people look and they say, look, there's more proof. There's a bad weather event. Bottom line, big tornadoes, F3 and larger since the 1950s have dropped dramatically. Bottom line, we've gone the longest period without a major U.S. Category 3 or larger hurricane hitting the U.S. since at least 1900, maybe the Civil War. Bottom line, new study in the Journal Nature, peer reviewed. No change in U.S. drought in the last 60 years. Bottom line, a new study out shows that drought has not changed in 85 to. Okay, let me give you a minute. Let, wait, let me, let me add one more.
1: Let me add one more bottom line before I defer <laughs> to Bill Nye. who <laughs> yeah, knows sure. more about this than I do. But Another bottom line the world is indisputably getting warmer. The U.N. Weather Agency said last week 2012 is on track to become one of the top 10 hottest years on record, add request. all the weird climatic changes we're seeing. Yeah, well, you, Bill, over to you. This,
0: is the, this will be the hottest two decades in history in recorded history. And so when you throw around a, a, a statement like the UN says it's not the hottest 20 years, exactly. I really, I got to disagree with you. Maybe some surface data show that in
1: certain cities. What well, is my point to you, Mark, and it's, it's a straightforward one, really. If you are wrong, then the Good implications question. for the planet are utterly catastrophic. In other words, if you and the climate change... Well, if the anti-climate change brigade win the argument and nothing is done because you convince people nothing needs to be done and you're wrong, then in 100, 200 years, will have caused devastation for the planet that will then be irretrievable. If, however, you are right in what you say and this is unnecessary and overreaction and so on, what you're seeing is a bit of economic hardship in the short term not to deal all.
3: with what may not be as big a problem as you think it is. Why it's the wrong argument? Because every proposal ever done, including the United Nations Kyoto Protocol, would not even detectably impact the temperatures, assuming you buy into their science. We're when not we're talking about. the when we're talking about a climate bill in the United States, President Obama was going around telling people it'll keep the planet 4 or 5 degrees cooler for our grandchildren. His own EPA said it wouldn't affect global CO2 levels, let alone temperature. And if you actually do, CO2's right the now the developing world is getting 1,000-plus coal plants, 1.3 billion people. People don't have running water and electricity. If we actually go the route of trying to stop carbon based energy, which has been their lifeline, which would lower infant mortality and long life expectancy, it would be the most immoral position you could take. So the bottom line is even if the skeptics are wrong, the solutions that the global warming alarmists have proposed would have no detectable impact on climate. Let me let Bill Nye respond to that.
0: If we, uh, if we were to begin to reduce carbon emissions, have the United States, for example, lead the way in this new technology, especially energy transmission, energy storage, electricity, we could change the world. We could get everybody uh, a much higher quality of life than they'd otherwise have. The problem is so many people live near the coasts. And these are, they're very old economic reasons. People lived on rivers since the beginning of human history. So uh, as sea levels, see, as the world gets warmer, and I take it he doesn't disagree that the world's getting warmer, mm-hmm and so uh, uh, ice is also falling off the ice sheets uh, so that ice is up on land so this is also going to cause the sea level to rise so for example in the case of Sandy which was not an especially big hurricane the economic impact was 30 billion Mm -hmm. and that's in the developed world where we have the resources to deal with it when you have people displaced on uh, continental scales these are we're not talking about a few people trying to get through a fence at a border between countries we're talking about 30, tens of millions of people trying to move north, trying to move out of uh, Southeast Asia, you're going to have trouble. The when is this you get happening? This on is, that problem, the These are all predictions well, based on climate is, models. The, these predictions of so, the Bill's
3: going are based on climate models I appreciate that you're 81 out of 87 of the basic yeah. principles of forecasting. So, so Mark Morano, do you sure. accept
1: that the ocean levels are rising, that the planet is getting hotter, that CO2 emissions have dramatically increased in the last 50 years. And, ICs and that the ice are size- shrinking? Ice are shrinking and that the planet population is doubling and accelerating at a terrifying rate. And that the combination of all these things is likely to be a major problem for the next two or three generations. And therefore, doing nothing shouldn't really be a sensible, responsible option. Doing
3: nothing. First of all, the United States' CO2 emissions are dropping as we move to fracking away from coal through technology. So the idea of doing nothing, there's nothing to do. There's no way you can solve a non-problem. Sea level has been rising since the end of the last ice age. There's no acceleration. Dutch Meteorological Institute said there's no acceleration, you can look at the Data, the land-based Boy, data. I, I just, There's no acceleration we just don't the agree sea on level. the Facts. Where so it goes to scary, and where the horror story is are in all these predictions. And they come out and say it's worse well, than we thought. I respect, Why? Because look, the predictions uh, get scarier and scarier.
1: Okay, I, look, I respect that you have views. I don't think they're facts, and there are many scientists who would take issue with you about the use of the word facts. Just, I'm going to have to Venus. wrap it up. I'm afraid yeah, yeah, it's been spirited Thank debate, you. and I appreciate you both coming on. To Thank you, Mark Morana and Bill Nye. I'm sure it will rumble Thank on. Thank you.
2: Wow, talk about your bullying campaign. Hey, don't let him talk. Don't let him finish the sentence, interrupting. Just, I could do a whole show on how Bill Nye is wrong and everything that he just said in that whole clip. But you know what? The average person that listens to him, they don't have a clue because he's talking in these elusive terms. Every single thing he said was wrong. And then Pierce, with the dramatic words like terrifying and catastrophic, and cataclysmic. It's unbelievable. This is the narrative, folks. So beware when you hear all this hottest year on record, sea levels rising. Guess what? As Donald Trump said, and I think he really said it the best.
3: I think that there'll be little change here. It'll go up. It'll get a little cooler. It'll get a little warmer like it always has for millions of years. It'll get cooler. It'll get warmer. It's called weather. But I don't believe that what they say, I think it's a big scam for a lot of people to make a lot of money.
2: How can we summarize all this? It's weather. There you have it. And also, he said big scam. You got that right. Well, listen, I wanted to clarify. I told you guys I was going to talk about the true legends how you can get in on this grand prize giveaway. The True Legends Conference this September 15th through the 17th in Branson, Missouri at the Branson Theatre. It's going to be an amazing event. Tom Horn, Steve Quayle, L.A. Marzulli, a list of the who's who, including my favorite, Pastor David Lankford. You want to get in on this draw because the value of it is close to $2,000. And we've got some second, third, fourth place winners as well, book packages, dvd packages it's going to be fantastic so here's very simply how you do it go to my website weekendvigilante.com and in about 10 to 12 seconds a banner will come up you'll see the subscribe button you click on it it takes you directly over to my youtube page you subscribe voila you're entered And if you are already a subscriber to my YouTube, well, then you're already automatically entered. That should clarify it for everyone. Get yourself entered before June 13th as the draw is June 30th. So make sure you do subscribe. And the other reason to subscribe anyway is because I'm going to video. I'm going to be doing some really cool stuff coming up. So great reasons to subscribe and once you're on the website you'll also see at the top right hand corner the social media icons that's twitter facebook follow me on twitter like my weekend vigilante facebook page we will see you next week thank you for tuning in to the broadcast good night and god bless you